0: Wait. How am I supposed
1: to TIFF Talks you are listening to TIFF Talks with Tiffany
0: Lamell.
1: Good morning and welcome to Tiffany Talks. It is a new day and I'm very excited about the show that I have for you today. It is really just a lot of good information I promise you do not want to miss any part of the show Um, I have a small and I do need very small Kobe tribute that I want to do at the top of the show Um, today marks the one year anniversary of the horrific accident that took the life of Kobe Bryant and his 13 year old daughter Gianna Bryant as well as six others so I want to just do a very small um, I'll play a very small clip of something of a previous interview that he did um, really just a couple two months literally um almost to the day that he did before his his passing um so I, I have that coming up for you but in addition to that I have Miss Eric, Mrs. Erica Vincent who is an eco-womanist don't worry if you don't know what an eco-womanist is she will uh, break all of that down for us and tell us about some of the work that she's done she's also a black female business owner and of course it is Tuesday so that means it's black owned business owner <laughs> interview day um so I have that coming up for you as well you don't want to miss that um well, it's not you know boring in education it's still fun you're still going to get your laughs today because um If you don't know, Erica is one of my best friends. So don't worry, you'll get the labs with the information. It's gonna be a really, really good show today. I'm sure who knows what's going to happen, but You'll enjoy it nonetheless, I I guarantee. Um, so you don't want to miss any part of the show today. If you are looking for information on what's going on with the impeachment trial, there's not really much to tell right now, so I'll just tell you now. Um, if you don't know, Trump is officially the first president to be impeached twice. He was impeached for the second time on the 13th, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and now they are kind of making some preparation for an impeachment trial. For Republicans are, you know, Republicaning, and seemingly seem, uh, they're kind of backing off of their conviction of convicting Trump. Um, we need 17 Republicans to join the Democrats in convicting Trump in an impeachment trial. Yes, there's a difference between the impeachment and the impeachment trial. I. Won't get into all of that today, but just know the trial is not set to begin until February 8th so or February 9th, one of those days. I've heard both. So it'll start one of those days. That'll give our new president, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris some time to get some um, appointees and nominees appointed in the cabinet, get their confirmations done, get some of the work on the agenda done, and provide some room for... Republicans kind of think on their stance when it comes to the impeachment trial. Um, Chuck Schumer, Majority Senate Leader, is like not playing games and right now some of the Republicans who are saying, you know, they don't want to do this, it's they're trying to make it about process and, you know, he's gone. What's the point now? Well, there's a big point. He can lose his post-presidential financial perks and he won't be able to run again. And that's just the least of it. So, um... That's your very quick impeachment trial update. There's nothing to tell now, but don't worry. I will I promise to keep you up to date as that unfolds. Um, anyway, the rest of the show is coming up. You do not want to miss it. So keep it locked right here on Boss FM. And if you miss any part of the show, you got to run and take a you know, whatever. Of course, the podcast will be available later, but I encourage you to just stay tuned. So I will be right back with the rest of Tiffany Talks. Tiffany Talks Welcome back to Tiffany Talks and again I have a wonderful guest today Um, her name is Miss Erica Vincent when she comes on I'll let her introduce herself I could go on and on and on about her so I won't do that I will let her do her own introductions but um, I want to give you an idea and a sense of of what you are going to get when we talk today Um, so with Erica's permission, I, uh, she does chats on her social media, which you can go to my social media, uh, after the show and you will be able to follow her, she'll be packed, all that good stuff, so don't worry about that, um but she does chats on her IG that gives a lot of good information. And so I caught one last week um, where she was kind of talking about the new administration and some of the people who are being either appointed or instated into the new administration, um, what their roles are, how they impact the work that she does or the, industry that she is involved in, which is environmental justice work. Um, So... It's, it's a really good chat and a lot of information. So, um, you definitely want to check that out, but I wanted to play a quick clip for you, uh, from the chat that she did last week, just a, a small tease, um, to give you an idea of what's to come. So here's a clip from that chat. Um, Anthony Blinken has been nominated for
2: secretary of state or has been believed and stated as secretary of state. Uh, Anthony Blinken. So Secretary of State isn't necessarily something, you know, Secretary of State is really uh, the United States envoy or representative around the world. Um, The Secretary of State um, also, though, when it comes to global climate policy and global climate talks, is the main person in that room. Um, You know, the Secretary of State goes to uh, the COP um, meetings. The Secretary of State is uh, part of upholding the United States States, uh, side of the Paris Accord, which, as we know, Joe Biden uh, rejoined on uh, his first day in office. Uh, literally, he like left the inauguration and started signing executive orders. Um, and that was one of them. Uh, and he was Anthony Blinken. I think I said Anthony before. His name was Anthony. Anthony Blinken actually was the deputy deputy secretary of state under Obama. I'm not sure if he served under Hillary Clinton or John Kerry, but I do know that he was uh, the deputy secretary of state. Um, and he has said that working together on climate and my, um, migration and other issues is a global issue. There's no way that one country can do that by themselves. And so um, there is hope there. Um, I think that he knows what needs to be done when it comes to the Paris Accords and conversations. And also just like making things better for uh, relationships with other countries uh, because we have really soiled it Uh, for a lot of reasons Uh, you know former Secretary of State as well as you know the former some people call it president Um, something to note here John Kerry uh, will be kind of the climate czar um, uh, or is a a senior advisor on climate will serve on the National Security Council. That's the first time that someone uh, committed to climate change um, and the mitigation of climate change um, uh, is serving on the National Security Council. We can have conversations. Some people aren't a huge fan of that. Uh, John Kerry has um, some histories of being a little easy on the military when it comes to um, uh, the military is a huge emitter of climate, of uh, greenhouse gases. Huge. One of the biggest in the world. The United States military is one of the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases in the world. Actually, the Secretary of Defense, uh, I did not write his name down, could very well help with that as well. So um, those are some names uh, to look up. And John Kerry will be back in the administration uh, once again.
1: And that's just... A a piece. So, you definitely want to stay tuned for that interview that's coming up next, uh, where we will talk about uh, Erica as a business owner, as a black female business owner. Um, I'll let her tell you about her business, and then we'll get into some more discussion about environmental work, food deserts, food swamps, the difference between the two nomenclatures, uh, a, a lot of stuff. I've got my questions. (laughs) written down but we will probably just get into a really good discussion so you definitely want to stay tuned for that um as I mentioned at the beginning of the show today marks the one year anniversary of the horrific accident uh, that took the lives of Kobe Bryant his daughter Gianna and six others and the helicopter pilot um I cannot even fathom everything that all of them could have accomplished if they were still here. Uh, Kobe was doing amazing work. Um, part of the interview I'm about to play, this is an interview from uh, that he did just, like I said, a couple months before he passed. And he's talking about being a storyteller and um, some of the work that he his studio was doing and what it meant to him. Um, But these are his words for how he wanted to be remembered. So here's a clip in honor of Kobe Bryant. We miss you and may you all rest in peace. And then I'll have more show for you coming up. Here's Kobe Bryant. 50 years from now, how do you want the world to look at Kobe Bryant? You
0: know, as a person that was able to create stories that inspired their children and families to bond together and for their children to dream and have the initiative to wake up every morning and do all they can to help that dream become a reality. You know, that would be really, really cool. And Bianca says it best. I'm like, hey, where to get buckets. She goes, yeah, I'm going to get buckets like Gigi. I'm going to get buckets like Gigi. Because she just doesn't know. She has never seen me play basketball. We'll oh, right. never know. Like she's too little, so in her mind, dad is just a person that puts out stories. So the the basketball side of you will be something for the the older set. If I'm doing everything right, that's what will happen.
1: Tiffany talks. Good morning, and welcome back to Tiffany Talks. As I have uh, been hinting and teasing at the top of the show, I have a wonderful, very intelligent guest with me who can speak to some of the things that I've briefly mentioned in previous episodes, but she is here to really just do all the things, the smart things, say all the smart things that I have. I I just, you know, she teaches me every day, and I'm grateful. Uh, If you have been listening to Tiffany Talks before, you have heard her name. So I would like to welcome to the virtual Tiffany Talks stage, uh, Mrs. Erica Vincent. Hey, Erica. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Tiffany Talks. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Of course. I'm very excited to have you on. Um, You are an eco-womanist in every sense of the word and I humbly submit to your knowledge <laughs> um, <laughs> of, you have a wealth of information that every time we have political conversation you're like one of my favorite people to have political and justice conversations with because it's just like like we could do it all day every day yes we um, and sometimes do and have <laughs> really have um, So for those new to the show, Erica is one of my best friends um, and one of my sisters. And I just could not wait to have this show with you. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the conversation. Cool, cool. So hi,
2: everybody again. My name is Erica Vincent. Uh, I am, as Tiff said, um, an eco-womanist. That is my self-determination, my kujujakalia, if you will. Um, It is a term that I have recently really embraced um after reading a phenomenal book or starting to read a phenomenal book last year um, that really encompassed everything that I believe that I'll talk a tiny bit about um, but uh, also I'm an event planner um you know sister friend wife try to try to be a scholar <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, try to to keep learning um, and have an extensive, or I've had a really blessed career, I should say, um, in environmental justice and advocacy and racial equity um, and how all those things um, coalesce. So again, I'm really excited to be here and like share any knowledge I have. And there are certainly people that are much more um, knowledgeable than me on some of the things I'm sure we're gonna talk about that y'all can dig into. I appreciate the more confidence. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, but I'm going to touch on things that y'all, that you might not um, know about kind of if that's not something that you do every day. Um, I'm also a proud native of Newark, New Jersey, um, living in. Very proud. Very proud. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) Quite proud. Quite. (laughs)
1: Uh, Living in the South. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So you mentioned your business. We'll, we'll hit that first. Logistics by E-Ray. I've had the pleasure of working with you on a couple of events, Mm -hmm. um, which says a lot because both of us are so structured and organized and detail oriented when it comes to and I was trying not to say that, but we're particular, <laughs> so it's hard to find someone you can work so well with. And we mm-hmm. never had an issue in any projects that we've worked on together. It wasn't so, with each other. Yeah, listen, well, <laughs> true. So I'm gonna try not we to make you thirty minutes us laughing. Right, <laughs> we work fine together now. <laughs> Some of the other people. Right. <laughs> you did well. So, why don't you tell everyone what Logistics by eRay handles and how you got into that business?
2: Yeah. So, Logistics by eRay is an event planning consulting, um, logistics planning business. Uh, I started it at the top of 2018 uh, when I was making a couple of different transitions. Uh, I was starting a new job um, and also wanted to start this business and actually had been pushed to. I'm not necessarily somebody who like starts, like starting new things. Like that's not necessarily my calling. I always feel more like a fixer uh, than, a, than a starter. Um, I really like taking, taking things that I already see have so much potential and making them better more so than like, I've never been somebody that's like, oh, I'm gonna start my own nonprofit. I'm gonna start my own business. I've been like, one, that's a lot of work. Two, do I feel like <laughs> you know really passionate about something so passionate I want to create something new? And there's a lot of reinventing the wheel in the world, so I'm I'm never somebody who wants to do that frivolously. But anywho, <clears throat> logistics by Ray is uh, something I was felt compelled and called to do. Uh, I have been planning. Events since I was in college, quite literally, Um, and got really excited about like when we saw things come to fruition. Like, I've seen events I've done um, come to fruition where we have. You know, brought hundreds of students to a to a conference, um, and when I was in college. Uh, so, like, I love to see how like it just starts with like we should do this thing, and ends up with like two bus loads of students going to an event. You know, right? A lot of states away, like that's really cool to me. So, been planning events for quite some time, and so I was like, you know, there's a lot of what it really came down to was there are a lot of small nonprofits and small businesses, as you know, Tiffany. Uh Event planning services are very expensive. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Very expensive. Um, You know, I've hired a couple of event planners. I hired, you know, wedding planners uh, and they're not cheap (laughs) Uh, at all. And so what I really wanted to do with Logistics by E-Ray was do events and work on events that I felt really passionate about and that I felt were really important and also give those services and provide those services to businesses that are small, to nonprofits that are small and community oriented that can't afford to hire some big logistics firm uh, to do their event. And so my prices are um, oftentimes on a sliding scale. I have kind of a rubric for myself on, based on budget, you know, how much Mm -hmm. do I charge particular organizations and companies Um, and, uh, I try to be really flexible, you know, also, also while appreciating the work that I do, but I also try to be flexible because I understand how, just because, you know, you're a community neighborhood nonprofit doesn't mean you want your event to be janky. Right. Um, and so, you know, how can I at the most you know, be of service, um, mm-hmm if nothing else. So that's what Logistics by E-Ray is. It's really geared towards I don't do events over 200 people on my own. If, I, if I'm if i going to do an event over 200 people, it's probably with someone, which is an event that you and I worked on together. Right. Um, and, uh, and I do events and I also like reserve the right to turn events down that I don't that aren't meaningful to me, to the community, you know, I'm all about like the community work, like how is this positively impacting uh, the folks, Uh, you know, low income communities, black communities, communities of color in general. So, um, so yeah, it's really like not work for me because I really love it. Um, I love the detail side of it as well as the, um, the logistics side of it, and the planning, and the seeing it come to fruition. So that's it, and it. it I love it. I've done a couple of events, and uh, am still am working on potentially doing some more this year. Uh, things were definitely halted last year because we were in a whole pandemic. Uh, panda bear Canola road whatever we're calling whatever we're calling it. (laughs) so uh as people start getting their footing in the idea around virtual events right there have definitely been some opportunities that have come my way uh, that uh, might come to fruition this year around virtual planning which is all really a whole another animal and lots of folks think that they can do virtual planning so like oh we don't need to hire an event planner like it's virtual it's fine Mm -mm. mm-mm 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 no. <laughs> no. We witnessed that last
1: year. Listen to me. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. With all love and respect, you don't know what you're doing, don't right, you? Right, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's the gist of it. So you mentioned um, one, I think it's absolutely incredible that you make sure that your events that you do work with uh, have some type of community or benefit to uh, disenfranchised groups or minority groups or, you know, community benefits. I think that that is amazing and that should be uh, a work model for many organizations across the board. You mentioned, of course, virtual events, but have you noticed any other impacts, good or bad, of the Panda Express that that we've been in for the last year and change and yeah and yeah. yeah i have there's a more of a willingness to go
2: to virtual events now everyone's okay. losing their minds uh, uh <laughs> and my- <laughs> but listen. <laughs> <laughs> listen about their minds and their money. Right, their minds and their money um, in the house. And so people are more willing, I think, now to go to virtual events because they really want to stay connected. I am an extrovert, uh, definitely. And so I've definitely, you know, I have friends that have been like, oh, Erica, I know you're not doing well. And I'm like, you know, Taking it one day at a time. (laughs) Does he need human interaction?
1: (laughs) Um, It's funny because I remember when the pandemic first started, you said, so just prepare for me to sit in your house because... Because I I I I need need human interaction. I got to talk to somebody.
2: (laughs) And I adore my husband. Lord knows (laughs) I...
1: (laughs) But... Fill in the blank. Full stop. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are many people out there that are like, amen. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, my. So much. <laughs> and also. And <laughs> also. I need a break. I got to go.
2: I need a break. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that th- there's a more of a willingness. My... Organization, I'll mention uh, that I work for a the only Black woman-led youth climate organization in the country. It's called the Power Shift Network, and our organization is having a huge event in April. And, you know, I think that if you would have asked me if we were having PowerShift, the PowerShift Convergence, I've been to five of them. (laughs) Um, And I think if you would have asked me if we were having the PowerShift Convergence virtually two years ago, I would have been like, oh, that's not gonna work. Like that's people aren't gonna come or it's not gonna be as impactful. It's it's a really beautiful event. Uh, It's actually the event that started me doing the work that I'm doing, we're gonna talk about a little later. Uh, But I think that if we had said we were having that virtually two years ago, I'd be like, "That's that's not going to work." And this year, we are having it virtually. We were supposed to be in New Orleans, so everybody's devastated.
1: Uh, but I've been New Orleans because New Orleans. <laughs> I actually was going to come with you just because.
2: Listen, everybody was like. Do I have to go to an... Because I'll go to
1: a session. I'll I go just, to a session. I just want to be in New Orleans. I, I want to be in New Orleans. I need a reason to go. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that people are more willing because everyone needs that human interaction. And also, when there are events that you really care about or are really passionate about what's being talked about, people really are willing to interact. Now, the downside of that, you know, you said it impacts good or bad. The... The downside of that is we are all, everybody has Zoom
1: fatigue,
2: so it's very difficult to give people the information virtually and also not inundate them with Zoom events. And I know folks that just like block off their days cause they're just like, I need a screen break. And so with that, uh, that has definitely been a impact that I feel like even once we are in the clear to have, you know, events, and I'm, I think the events are gonna start very, very small and then like eventually we'll be back in the clear to have bigger events. But I, I honestly think we're not gonna be totally um, normal, regardless of, you know, vaccines or anything else until really the end of 2022, 2023. I, I know, I know I'm saying that and people are like, oh God, please don't say that. Um, but you know, I think, uh, with that being said, people have zoom fatigue so they don't want to be on the computer so much and also want to get the information. So we've been talking about or I've been talking about from an event planning perspective, you know, how do we have safely distanced events or how do we have you know events that are uh, you know, making sure that we can still give out the information that we need to give out but not be on on the line for 2 hours and not you know have people on on the line or on video for you know, all day from nine to five, because nobody's going to want to do that. Nobody's going to sit there for that long. So I think that's really important is to have some balance in those and when you're planning events and such.
1: Um, I think that it is just so important, again, to have businesses like Logistics by E-Ray and hopefully we'll we'll definitely plug the event a little bit later in your interview. Um, but I know we have so much more to talk about. So we have more with Miss Erica Vincent coming up you don't I promise you don't want to miss it Um, so please stay tuned to Tiffany Talks we'll be right back we're taking a quick
0: break more Tiffany Talks after these messages
1: Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. I've got so much more show for you. Erica Vincent is still with me. We have a lot more that, um, at least that I want to discuss, and I'm sure that she wants to discuss too. So uh, you don't want to miss it. I promise more laughs, more information, more insight, all of the things that you want, need, and then some. Um, If you've missed any part of the show, Don't forget, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, hit follow, hit subscribe, all the things. Um, You can also check out previous episodes, either from 2020 or from this year already. And definitely, if you missed my birthday celebration episode, you definitely, definitely want to go check that out. So don't miss any of that. Follow, subscribe everywhere Um, and make sure you stay tuned for more with Erica Vincent, because. Yeah, it's. I know you're enjoying the conversation. You have to be enjoying the conversation. It's a good conversation. So you don't want to miss the rest of the conversation. I will be right back.
0: Follow Tiffany Linnell on social media at Tiff Linnell on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
1: Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. We still have the wonderful, incomparable. Mrs. Erica Vincent. Um, so, if you miss any of the last uh, part of the interview, we talked about her business and business model for eco. I mean, for eco woman is on that's next for logistics mm-hmm. by E Ray. Um, I meant to ask you in that segment, so I'll hit this really quick before we move on to the next topic. Do you have any? You are a black female business owner mm-hmm. um, with a community and nonprofit focus. The community and nonprofit and um, small business focus. What tips, if any, do you have for... Black women or minority uh, entrepreneurs or persons with entrepreneurial spirits to kind of get get their business started or conducting business in a pandemic. That is a loaded question. I apologize, but just- No, really I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I'll be re- really quick about this.
2: I definitely don't claim to be an expert on being an entrepreneur in any way. I really- Avoided, like I said before, starting some starting something new for a long time, until God, the Great Spirit, whatever your tradition kind of told me this is needed, and you gonna do it. Uh, yeah. I was I was voluntold. Uh, God does <laughs> so, a lot, a lot. At least the God I deal with. Listen, yeah. a lot. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, so I don't claim to be the expert. I think. Trusting yourself. Like I've been thinking a lot about trusting and what does trust mean and trusting myself. I definitely have become more trusting in my brain and my intuition Mm -hmm. uh, as I've gotten older. And so trust that you know what's best for your business or trust that you have the critical thinking skills enough to ask for the help that you need and then do that. Like ask for the help that you need create, you know, create a community of folks around you that can, that will lift you, that have the knowledge that you might lack. Uh, Tiff will tell, T- Tiffany will tell anybody that I'm always asking her like, what does that mean for when it comes to things like <laughs> politics and other stuff, which I am I dabble in, but is not, you know, my wheelhouse. And so definitely like, if you, if you don't have a community of folks around you that are going to check you and you need to be checked, and that goes for anything, really. Your business included, right. that will give you the answers or get you someone who can get you the answers that you need, and then celebrate right. you when things go well. Sis, you guys to you got to shift you the focus of who you're spending time with and investing time right. in. Uh, and so that's one of the most important lessons I've learned in this business, and also just like. Or just in my 30s. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: tried to tell you before you got to the 30s. You did. It, you. it hit you really hard. You, you did. Like, yo, like your business. Like, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute.
2: Now, hold on now.
1: Hold I on. You came quick.
2: Why <laughs> you coming up on me? Yes. Tiffany will tell anybody on my 30th birthday and I was in Italy oh, and on my 30th birthday, I called her and said, I'm mad at you. So <laughs> <laughs> why? Well, happy birthday to you too. Why? I oh, said, because you told me, but I didn't know for real, for real, and now I'm here and every, one, everything hurts. Two. Everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one believes me. I have given that warning because I am, I turned 30 and all of my friend groups first, I gave that warning to everyone and nobody believed me. So on everyone's 30th birthday, I got a phone call. You get on my nerves and I feel like you spoke this into existence and I hate you. I was just giving the warning that and you turned 30 a year before me and you were giving
2: a listen, year two before a year before me almost almost a year and a half actually and was
1: like i'm trying to tell you i'm <laughs> to tell you it just <laughs> now i'm i'm technically in like mid-30s or hit, reaching mid-30s mm. and it just whew, yeah that's all i got listen
2: Yes. A lot. So trust, trust yourself trust yourself or trust again that you have the critical thinking skills enough to ask for the things you don't know right. and then do that and so I do a lot of that and there's, that's the, the smartest person in the room is the one that's asking the most questions.
1: Amen, now that's it. So trust yourself, check your circle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is excellent advice. So talking about trusting your circle now, Erica said that she calls me for certain things. <laughs> I call Erica for certain things. Hey, can you tell me what this means? Cause <laughs> talk to me and pray on, I don't get it um eco-womanism i y'all can't see her, but she's wearing her (laughs) eco-womanist shirt. That's just really super dope. You know, whoever made that for you did an excellent job. Um,
2: (laughs) Their name starts with a T and ends with an (laughs) if-any.
1: Well, she did a fantastic job making this shirt. Um, Tell everyone what it means to be an eco-womanist or at least what your definition is. So I'm going to try to keep this definition as succinct as possible. (laughs) Um,
2: But there's a couple of different definitions. So number one, I want to make sure that I shout out the first person who... Introduced me to this terminology. Uh, her name is Dr. I believe Reverend Doctor, if I'm not mistaken. I know that she is also a theologian. Uh, Melanie L. Harris. She wrote a book yes, called it Eco- is Reverend, Doctor. Reverend Dr. Melanie L. Harris. She wrote a book called Eco Womanism African American Women and Earth Honoring Faiths. And I saw her speak back when we could gather uh, at the beginning of last year, which I know sounds like a decade ago, uh, and at a conference put on by the Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, which is a faith-based environmental organization based in Georgia. And so she wrote a book. I saw her speak. She was amazing. She's like this like five foot flat sweet woman who is so profound in what she says. And so I bought the book at the conference and had her sign it and have been reading it ever since. And it's taking me so long to get through it because it's very dense in the sense that it's not a novel or a story. It's really a research, a book. And so uh, one of her, so I have to like pick it up, read it, put it down, think about it, like noodle over it. And then pick it up again. So it right. not me so long. Um, I also have a problem with reading more than one book at a time, but we won't go into that. Listen, <laughs> so you are not alone. <laughs> so one of one of the definitions she gives is eco-womanism is an approach to earth justice that centers the theological voices, ethical perspectives, multi layered analysis, and experiences of women of color, specifically African American women. Oh, that's lovely. That's a good one. And then another one that she gives in that book is an eco womanist way of being is rooted in commitments of social justice and human rights, as well as earthling rights to belong to the earth community. And that's what's on the back of my shirt that someone made. Um, (laughs) uh, One of the first people to introduce us to the word womanism was Alice Walker, who, as you all I'm sure know, wrote Color Purple. And... I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna try to be very quick and knock it on my soapbox about this particular um, conversation. But womanism is not just black feminism. I want to be right. clear that it's not just black feminism. So I have an issue when people in the community say like feminism is for white women. Um, my rights are not centered, encircled by, or orbit around the rights of rights of white women. Right. Uh, they are not dependent upon the rights of white women and there and also some of the earliest feminist speeches or sayings, including Ain't I a Woman by Sojourner Truth, mm-hmm. uh, were said by black women. Black women have been doing feminism for longer, for longer than they have been colonized. So I want right. to say that. Um, and so I don't give feminine feminism uh, feminism over to white women in any way, shape, or form, and I would encourage you not to do so either. Right. With that being said, for me, womanism is also putting a layer on top of um, feminism that also centers black, the the experience of black women. That's why we pull out black and indigenous people of color or BIPOC. We pull out black indigenous. The experiences of black people, the experiences of black women, the experiences of indigenous people and the experiences of indigenous women are very different and very specific from the experiences of people of color. And I'll talk about America because that's the, the experience that I have in this particular country. And so. Those have to be pulled out because those experiences are different. When you have a a society land on top of you, or you have people from a society steal you and then invoke their norms, culture onto you, Mm -hmm. that is very different from when you enter a society voluntarily. Absolutely. And so that trauma, I'm not, I I don't play oppression Olympics with other races. I refuse to. It's stupid. Um, So I'm not saying that one is any worse or better, but it is very different. And so that is why there is a need for womanism because it also layers on top of being a woman, being a black woman. Right. So eco-womanism is really about how do black women see, relate to from their ethics, from their spirituality and from their advocacy, the environment and what that means both from for the earth itself and Mm -hmm. for uh, our, our, our own communities. And one of the best things I read in this book that still takes me clean out is when Dr. Harris was talking about the fact that It's just so profound. The fact that the earth is often feminized, so we also often call the mother earth or talk about the earth in a feminine stance. And the way that the earth has been degraded or um, really abused Mm -hmm. is similar in the way that black women have been degraded and abandoned. absolutely. And so absolutely. the way that we connect the earth and black women is almost you can't split the two up because we have the same a lot of the same experiences. Ooh. Um, and that for me, like, I, had, I think that was the day I had to put the book down. I was like,
1: oh, girl, <laughs> I feel like you sent me uh, part of that and we talked it about it. And I to everybody. I was like, you gotta read this. Read this. I, I think one, you did such um a profound, that was such a profound and awesome explanation and description of distinguishing between, I, I too agree with you, don't call womanism black feminism, that is not mm-hmm. like just no, no, right. no Um, no. and so I, I appreciate you for really taking the time to go through that and then tying it into what eco-womanism is and I think that quote that you just provided was like you're right it's so profound the tie-in is undeniable Mm -hmm. um and i I think that the work that you do the knowledge that you bring to the table is so critical because one climate change like come on yeah that is something that is just still in my opinion i don't know how you feel is not talked about enough mm-hmm. but that's on a global scale even the things that we do in our community the environmental justice work that needs to be done at a local level is so important and i've heard and seen you work in that arena so much mm-hmm. i've learned so much from you um and i You know, I think part of our tie in those conversations is I am a heavy believer in womanism. Um, I'm studying womanist theology. Um, So, again, you and I could talk about that all day, every day, and sometimes (laughs) have. What is, I guess, one of or some of your focuses as far as your eco womanist work?
2: Yeah, so a lot of my focuses and my environmental career now spans, let's see, the the end of this year, the fall of this year, it will be... 2008, so 13 years, uh, and it overlaps college for me. Uh, and so the thing that I focused on the most throughout my career, and I've worked in a number of organizations. I'm a nonprofit professional, um, is really youth mentorship. And I feel very strongly about mentoring young people, young um, women, you know, young people who identify. As women uh, and young Black people, period, uh, and so that has been really like a love for me, uh, in like mentoring them, not only in the work, but like how is that? How is the work shaping what they want to do? And I've seen my mentees go on to do like such phenomenal things. Uh, many of them are, you know, young people who went to who went to my college, and so I'm just really like blessed to have seen their journeys and see kind of where they've ended up Uh, so that's been a huge focus of mine and then i also got really and always was looking at it from like the black community perspective but i got really deeply steeped into one in one of my jobs i really deeply steeped into the racial equity conversation uh, and how energy and environment had how it shapes the racial equity conversation and so with that being said um, or the other way around how the energy and environment conversation really shapes the racial equity piece mm-hmm. um, and so that has been where it's been focused really on youth mentorship and that's still where I work in that arena now. Okay. Uh, I've also had some conversations around like political, the way that politics shapes uh, environmental policy. Right. Um, and I, you know, you 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 said it right. You know, it's not talked about enough still, even though we know uh, climate change is real. Um, if we're, you know, if we're still trying to convince people of that, like that alone, but also like right. it, very easy to ignore something that's real when it doesn't affect you and in the it doesn't affect you immediately in the way that you know communities around the world that are maybe not as quote unquote developed uh not first world or however you want to describe that are the ones that are going to be affected by climate change immediately and the most than communities who can mitigate uh, how climate change affects them and so Uh, so it's very easy when you can afford, uh, to mitigate your, you know, how you can afford to mitigate your immunity or adjust uh, to what's happening when there are communities around the world and around this country that don't have that luxury. So that's kind of where my focus has been, um, as of, as of yet. Okay.
1: So... Again, you just proved exactly what I said, important work um, that is just so needed. And a lot of people don't realize that environmental justice includes energy. I know you and I have talked about I don't remember the name of it. It's I'm drawing a blank right now. But the like community cohorts that uh, deal with energy bills, things like that. We've all, always talked about that. Um, uh, are you talking? About, are you talking about the Public Service Commission? Public Service Commission. There's another one though. Where every time I move, you tell me what like district or area I'm in. I don't remember what you call uh, it. Um, I don't, I don't call it either. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but. Um, you know, we have talked about some of the work that you have done because again, people don't realize that your energy bills, feed into the environmental justice work. Like there are construction briefs and projects and stuff that the energy companies are working on and that impacts the environmental uh, and economic uh, livelihood of Mm -hmm. communities. How do and I've briefly kind of mentioned this on previous shows like food deserts, food swamps, Mm -hmm. all of those terms that a lot of people don't really know what they mean. We have just one or two minutes, maybe three, (laughs) left um, in this uh, time and then I know we have one or two more things we want to talk about for the rest of the show. Can you kind of talk uh, briefly about how those terms tie in um, and maybe give one or two definitions of of some of them? Sure. So I can't remember which,
2: which thing you're talking about, but I that you said you couldn't remember the name of. But Yeah. So people often when they hear me say environmental justice, they automatically think about like they're automatically like polar bears. And I'm just like, that's like a thing that people (laughs) always use that they're just like, oh, like polar bears. And I'm just like. I mean, yeah, like polar bears are important to the ecosystem. <laughs> like, are you trying to say that, like, it doesn't matter? Like, yes, because <laughs> the whole ecosystem of the world is connected. Everything and everyone is connected. And you should be concerned if you see, like, you know, drowning or thin or malnourished polar bears you should be concerned not just for the welfare of the polar bear but for the welfare of you because that right. does connect to you right. as we're all connected like i don't know it's just such a ridiculous argument for me when people say that i'm just like what are you talking about <laughs> um, they're trying to like prove that it's not that important and i'm just like actually you're proving that it's Immensely important, but okay. Right. It's all connected. It's all connected. But yes, energy is connected to environment work because energy is really a part of not only the way that energy is produced, but the way that energy is produced, how we are using it. Then, therefore, we're getting into the energy conversation of how people are affording it or not affording it. And that's a whole show. So I won't go right. down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but I will say you know, you mentioned food deserts what I love one of the things I love about the environmental movement is there's so many different facets there's so many different things I have folks in our organization who work on fossil fuel extraction folks that work on food security uh, and what you know and are the experts really on what those things are people have pushed back on the word food desert or the terminology food desert as of late uh, because deserts are a fully functioning live Lively ecosystem uh they might look on the surface to you to be kind of a dead you know l- piece of land or space however uh, they are fully functioning ecosystems and very lively ecosystems so we we've, we've pushed back or we moved away from the word food desert and moved into the, to the terminology food swamp. Food swamp really means um, a lack of fresh food. So there might be food in your community. Um, and really we usually say something like five to 10 miles away from you, but it might not be healthy food. So for right. example, I live in a community. I, thankfully, I live in a community that is no that is not um, a food swamp. I mm-hmm. have a grocery store. I have two grocery stores within two minutes of my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, but I have lived in communities where all we have is you know a McDonald's and a Subway or a Wendy's or you know right. a shack or a Chicken Shack and you know. I, lo- I love a chicken shack. I grew up on chicken shacks, but... <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> you know, I love a chicken shack. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, is are there options for fresh food? Additionally, right. is the food in whatever grocery store you have, you know, your food might not be as fresh, no shade, right. in a food value as it is in a Publix. Right. So, you know, having the conversation around, you know, there's a grocery store, but what's the freshness of the produce that you can get right, there? Right. So that might not necessarily mean that you have, you know, some sort of, um, you know, you don't necessarily live in a food swamp. So th- there's so many different facets of the environmental movement. That's kind of that definition. And I think it's that's a, such an important conversation that people really need to be having and also really need to be having with uh, not only their grocery stores, but also their community, the people who are supposed to be representing your community and city council about how we can get more fresh food. Um, And that's why people have been moving towards growing their own food, creating their own farmer's markets uh, in in the way that they can trade food or sell food to each other. Because it's really, really important for us to understand that we're, in some ways and oftentimes, we're going to have to supply fresh food to ourselves and to our own communities uh, if these businesses don't show up as they should.
1: Right. And I I mentioned that in a previous show too about how my uh, neighborhood had to really fight to get to make sure that we were no longer a food swamp because our grocery stores were not carrying the freshest produce. Um, and how how my my community had to fight for that. We have it now, thank God. Um, but when I first moved over here, it, it technically would have been considered a food swamp because though we had grocery stores, it was not the freshest quality that that we needed. And yeah. Um, okay, we have a couple more things we're gonna talk about in uh, the, the latter part of this hour. So uh, stay tuned. You don't wanna miss the rest of the show. We'll be right back. Follow Tiffany Linnell
0: on social media at Tiff Linnell on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook.
1: All right. Welcome back to Tiffany Talks. I still have uh, Erica Vincent with me. Um, we have talked about a plethora of things and there's been a lot of really amazing conversation and information in this show so if you've missed any part of it feel free and I encourage you to go not just because it's my show but because it really was this show has been jam-packed with a lot of really good information um, so if you've missed any part of it please go listen to the podcast which will be available after this show today on Spotify and Apple Podcasts um, so the last part of the conversation I mentioned in another episode the Department of Interior and and the rabbit hole that I went down (laughs) trying to figure out, okay, so do they do interior design in the government buildings? Um, Like, are they responsible for changing out the the Oval Office during presidential transition? Like, what the hell is the Department of Interior only to find out it was Parks and Recreation? I was like, now what the hell? Call it Department (laughs) of Parks and Recreation or something. That makes more sense. So. Now that I have very briefly told my listeners that it's not interior design, can you briefly describe what the Department of Interior does? And I know that there's an appointee um, for the Biden administration. So if you want to tell us a little bit about her as well.
2: So, yes, the Department of Interior is a whole department that encompasses a couple of bureaus and agencies. So the Department of Interior encompasses the National Park Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, U.S. Geological Survey, uh, Bureau of Land Management. So those are the agencies and the bureaus that the Department of Interior oversees. And the Department of Interior is really about land management, uh, parks and recreation. So all of our national parks but also what that's all very important, all very important. Right. And also one of the most important things that I pe- don't, don't think people know is the Department of Interior also is the liaison between the United States government and sovereign quote unquote indigenous tribes, nations, things like that. And only the Got recognized, it indigenous tribes, which I should say, not all indigenous nations are federally recognized, which is a whole nother show. And I will not go into that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) no Uh, So that, you know, causes its own problems, but that's the department of interior. And that is why it's all the reasons why it's very, very important. And what people don't know, I think is that it encompasses, um, the uh, the indigenous conversation, which is a very important one that we don't talk about enough, uh, and to kind of continue that answer, the Department of Interior does have a new nominee, and I believe that she will be, definitely be approved. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is one of the, the Secretary of the Department of Interior is one of the positions in the new administration that has to be nominated and approved. It's not appointed. Uh, And with that being said, the new nominee is, or the nominee is Deb Holland. Deb Holland is an Indigenous woman from what? So, as, as, as we say in the environmental and progressive movement, so-called New Mexico, um, (laughs) where uh, she has been a representative. She is one of the only Indigenous women in Congress. uh, I believe when she was sworn in, there were two indigenous women that were being sworn in at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the only, she would be the first indigenous person, not just woman, but I think indigenous person that has been sworn into a cabinet level position. Wow. Uh, and and it's 2021, so. Listen, there's problems. a whole other show. There's a whole other show. <laughs> um, uh, what I love about Deb Holland is Deb Holland don't play around. She all right, no. does not mince words. She is quite clear. Uh, and when she has been in interviews about her nomination, and about her excitement about it, she has said, I will be fighting for the rights of all of us and I will not be You know, quiet in this position. Uh, She's not going to go quietly um, into this position. And that's what we need. Yeah. Uh, She is a phenomenal representative from the state of uh, so called New Mexico. She is. Wait, you got to
1: tell folks why you say so so called New Mexico.
2: (laughs) So, the reason why oftentimes in the environmental space we say so so called blank um, when it comes to a state or a city is because uh, we want to give honor to the Fact that this land was indigenous once and was sold, right. and so oftentimes you'll hear people who do this work say um, they'll introduce themselves and they'll say, "I am from so-called whatever the state or city is," which and they'll say, which is originally. Uh, for me, is Yukai land. I live in Lithonia, Georgia, which is originally Yukai land, uh, which is the nation of people that were shuttled off of this land during the Trail of Tears. So you'll often hear them introduce themselves and where they're from, and they'll say. Which is so-called Georgia, which is a and it is and it is originally Yukai land to give honor to the nations that this land actually belongs to, where it was stolen from. Love it. Um, so I try to incorporate that in like a lot of my introductions and stuff um, because Got we, we want to honor that. So. Deb Holland is amazing. She has introduced laws into Congress around the missing and murdered indigenous women, which is a epidemic in this country that people do not talk about. Uh, Indigenous women are being murdered raped and killed in record numbers on nations Mm. on indigenous nation lands and no one cares quite literally um and so she has introduced laws on exploring why that is um Mm -hmm. they just happen to be in uh, construction towns where construction workers are um transferred in to do construction work, either like on drilling or other things. Uh, And then all of a sudden, quote unquote, all of the sudden um, record numbers of indigenous women being murdered or raped in those towns. Uh, So she has fought for that. She, as I said, is an indigenous woman and she is amazing. And so when she was nominated, the whole environmental movement was like, oh, y'all don't know
1: what you did. Y'all in trouble now. You, in trouble? you nominated Deb Holland. Ooh, girl. <laughs> I'm excited.
2: So right. I can't wait. She is going to be amazing. And she also has said, and I'll end I'll, my answer here. She has also said that uh, the United States has a bad habit of breaking treaties with Listen indigenous nations. And that stops here. We're not doing that anymore.
1: So Awesome. Yes. Speaking of indigenous nations and land protection and everything else that we've talked about, um, I mentioned briefly, I think last week, that Biden, you know, you and I both know, as soon as he hit the Oval Office, he was signing all the executive actions, like, right, not not waiting at all. And I know one of them was to um, double back on Trump administration going ahead with the Keystone Pipeline. Um, and I know that there's also the Dakota Access Pipeline. So, can you briefly talk about both of those, and then why it's so important that what Biden did as far as the Keystone Pipeline? Yes. So,
2: one of the ways that we are we this country degrades indigenous land is by breaking treaties, and the breaking of those treaties where we have given quote unquote, given indigenous people land that already belong to them, um, given uh, indigenous nations uh, land that they say is theirs, that is sovereign, uh, sovereign meaning that it is not necessarily a part of the United States. It is supposed to be governed by indigenous councils of those particular land areas. Uh, We oftentimes, the country oftentimes declares like eminent domain and will stick pipelines and whatever they else they think or they deem necessary through many of those places and spaces. And so Dakota Access Pipeline there's a similar pipeline to Keystone uh, so I, I am not the expert on fossil fuel um, conversations and I know a lot of super super smart people who work on uh, oil and fossil fuel and getting away from fossil fuels uh, but just kind of a high level thing and then I would encourage your listeners to really go dig more into this uh, the, the Keystone pipeline goes through Canada, it starts in Canada and supposedly was uh, proposed to go through north north dakota south dakota um, nebraska um, and uh, kansas oklahoma texas into the gulf mm-hmm. uh, so it goes from canada into the gulf it's one of the longest pipelines there are many pipelines in this country that go kind of across the country and in for the keystone xl pipeline project uh, so there is an existing Keystone Pipeline system, and then there was new pipelines. So there's pipeline that are already laid, and then there was new pipelines that were proposed, and that's the Keystone XL. That's expanding the Keystone Pipeline project. That's basically what it was set to do. Got it. President Obama waited too long, which I love, you know love and revere our first black president and also i got my qualms with him right. um, he waited too long there were camps there were indigenous camps that were there were solidarity camps set up for i think almost a year and through the winter i mean of uh, people pr- protesting this expansion of the keystone project mm-hmm. and president obama waited too long to deny it uh, he finally vetoed it and vetoed the Army Corps of Engineers permits. I believe the uh, mm-hmm. Army Corps of Engineers are the ones that um, assist in giving the permits to build the pipeline and he vetoed it but he vetoed it like November December of 2016 right and as we all know January 20th of 2017 you know Ass hat. right <laughs> That man, uh, you know, whatever whatever your uh, calling of him is, I have never mm-hmm. called him a president uh, right. when into power. And so once he went, when his once his administration took power, they reversed President Obama's decision. Um, And in reversing his decision, now the Biden administration has re-reversed it, (laughs) or whatever that terminology is, and has completely vetoed the Keystone Access Pipeline. So that is a huge win for the environmental movement. That is a huge win for the indigenous nations that that goes through. That is sacred land for those nations. Uh, It is sacred land of their ancestors. It goes through spaces and places where their sacred waters uh, exist. And so not only is it disrespectful, it's also dangerous. Uh, because pipelines leak, pipelines leak, pipelines burst. There is no safe pipeline. Um, the Dakota Access Pipeline is a similar pipeline um, that I don't even think anybody is is. Um married to right now so i don't think it's gonna go much <laughs> further um and then there are other pipelines there's a trans mountain pipeline that goes only through canada but it does go through indigenous lands mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other conversation and then there's currently the line three pipeline which might go which would go through minnesota which is currently being fought in the courts by indigenous nations and other advocates right now including advocates that work for uh, our organization so it's a big deal. Keystone is a big deal and we're very excited and very you know I'm very proud of the Biden administration for doing that. I am mm-hmm. cautiously optimistic uh, because I know I know that there is more work to do and more pipelines to deny. so right um, you know president biden look at you know look at line three um line five has already been denied by the michigan governor because she's amazing Uh, um she also is like don't play around um so we are we are hoping that president biden does the right the right thing by these other pipelines that are being um that are being proposed not just because of the danger of pipelines, which they are right. very dangerous. Uh, we want to stop. We want to get away from fossil fuels, uh, right. but also because of the the trees and the the degradation to indigenous lands, uh, which is which is very important. And the least that we could do after their land has been stolen and quote unquote given to them uh, is you know not break not only the spirit of the tribe by going through their um by going through their sacred lands but also break the agreement that we have with them
1: right hopefully you know one with a new secretary of the Department of Interior. And I know one of the goals of the Biden-Harris administration is to move away from fossil fuels and work more on climate change. We've rejoined the Paris Accord. We've, you know, he's already done some of the things lining up with that goal. Um, And there, I think it's 2026 or 2028 or something like that, that he wants to move towards clean energy. So hopefully with all of that in mind, um, he'll take a look at some of those other lines and keep moving forward with some of this work um Mm. that is so crucial essential and important um erica thank you so so much for coming and schooling us on all of this very important and essential work and information how can my listeners uh keep up with you and follow the work that you do
2: yeah, so thank you for having me again, Tiffany. I love you. Of course, love you too. <laughs> uh, so you can find me on Instagram e four eco womanist. That's e four eco womanist. F O R is the four, not number four. Uh, also on Twitter, which I try not to be too too reckless on Twitter, but you know, people be saying crazy. Nice. <laughs> people saying crazy stuff that I have to respond to. Um, on Twitter, I'm eco womanist underscore E R E. That's eco womanist underscore E Ray. And that's where you can find me. I also do like chats on my IGTV every two weeks. And I talked a lot about uh, the other people. I talked about Deb Holland and how much I stand. But I also talked a lot about the other climate um, and. Appointees and folks that are being appointed to the Biden-Harris administration that will touch climate and environment on my Eco Womanist chat from last Friday. So I encourage you to go take a look at
1: that on my Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. And if you missed any of that, she will also be posted on my social media too so you can follow her from there as well Um, that's going to do it for Tiffany Talks today if you missed the birthday celebration that we had last week it was a hoot we had a ball um, (laughs) probably a little bit too much fun and Erica was a part of that as well so you can check that out on my Facebook um, and see what you missed there thank you so much for listening to Tiffany Talks and of course I will be right back here tomorrow 11 a.m to 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can always check out any missed episodes that you've missed from this season or last season on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget, be safe, be blessed and let God be God today. Have a blessed one. Agree? Disagree? Be
0: heard. Record your feedback on today's show and email it to TiffanyTalks at BossFM.com you may hear yourself on a future show. Follow Tiffany Linnell on social media at Tiff Linnell on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Tiffany Talks and the Tiffany Talks podcast are registered trademarks. Each show is broadcast and powered by Boss FM. For more information on the show, podcast, or advertising, email tiffanytalks at bossfm.com.